many of you guys have ever experienced something or maybe met someone or been somewhere that just wowed you so much it gave you something worth talking about? Anybody ever had that? I hope in some, some point in your lifetime you've experienced something worth talking about. Maybe it was a celebrity you met, you couldn't wait to tell your friends, show the picture of uh, meeting this celebrity. Maybe it was a restaurant you ate at. Maybe it was a sale at, at a store and you couldn't wait to tell your friends about it, uh, to go check out that store. Ashley and I, we love to find like the cool little um, hole-in-the-wall spots in Tulsa to eat at and, and, and experience different places in Tulsa. When we go out on a date, we're looking for a a spot we've never been. And so about six months ago, we found this spot that is so good, like really good. Like when I usually eat this food, I have to dip it in sauce. At that place, I don't have to dip it in sauce. That's how good it is. I know you want to know where it is. I'm not going to tell you. If you really want to know after service, I'll be shaking hands. You're going to have to wait till the whole altar call is over then I'll tell you. See, that's a way to keep you. Some of y'all be sneaking out during service. You gotta wait. I will tell you, but you're gonna have to ask me back there. But this place is so good. After we ate there, we couldn't wait to tell friends about it. We were like, dude, you gotta go check this place out. It is so good, and the food is fresh, and it tastes awesome, and the environment, it's, it's unique. It's a cool experience. And even in, in last week, when I was overseas in Peru, this pastor said, I'm coming through Tulsa. Where should I go? I told him about the place. That's how excited I was. Some of you have experienced something that's so awesome, you can't wait to tell others about it. Maybe it was a YouTube video you watched, and you wanted to tell all your friends, go watch this video. It's hilarious. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, maybe it was seeing Brian Nira on The Voice, and you couldn't wait to tell all your friends about my worship leader at church was on The Voice, but something worth talking about. Everybody say those words with me. Something worth talking about. You know, there were some people who told me I need to get these new shoes that a lot of people are getting. They're called Yeezys. Anybody ever heard of Yeezys? Y'all are like, what? Yeezys? But I guess these are like the cool new shoes and, and people are getting them. And so I went online to check out what they were. They're sold out and the people who bought a pair before they got sold out are selling them online for $2,000. I was like, no way, I'm not buying no Yeezys. I got, I got shoes, you know. But I was thinking about, man, this thing, this, this product is like people are talking about it. You know, people in the marketing world, they call people like me and Ashley sneezers. Have you ever been around someone who just can't stop sneezing? The first time they sneeze, achoo, you say, God bless you. The second time they sneeze, you're like, God bless you. The third time, you're like, get away from me. Your germs are spreading everywhere. What's wrong with you? And the sneezers are the people who catch a whiff of something and they just keep sneezing. Like they just can't stop sneezing. In the marketing world, they love people like this. Because when they catch a product, when they experience something that's so good, they can't stop talking about it. They're just like, man, you gotta check out this place. You gotta see this movie. You gotta go to this restaurant. You gotta try this product out. They tell all their girlfriends about the sale at Target and uh, they're so excited about it. And then I got to thinking, we've got something far greater than Yeezys to talk about. We've got something far greater than a restaurant to talk about. We've got something far greater than the latest movie to talk about. We have Jesus, and that is something worth talking about. The story of Easter is the story of Jesus, and that is something worth talking about. We have something to share, something that people want to hear. And the story of Jesus is a story of his death, his burial, his resurrection. Did you know in Peru, I was asking them, I said, what is Easter like at, at your churches? They said, well, it's the lowest attended Sunday in the entire year. I said, why? They said, because 
Our, our country is predominantly Roman Catholic, so everybody goes to Mass on Good Friday, but nobody goes to church on Sunday. They said it's actually the last day of summer, so everyone's at the beach, and hardly anybody comes to church on Sunday. They're all at Catholic Mass, or they'll, even the Christian Protestants, because it's in their mind, they'll go to church on Friday, but hardly any of them go on Sunday. And I was thinking about, I mean, Friday's good. Friday's the day that Jesus died on the cross, but Sunday... Sunday is something worth talking about. Sunday gives us something that's different than any other religion, different than Islam, different than any other denomination. I mean, we have su Sunday overshadows Friday. Sunday beats Friday any day. The empty tomb is greater than the cross. The empty tomb is the culmination of the victory that Jesus not only died for my sins, but he came back to life. That's something worth talking about. This whole last week uh, uh, on ESPN, they're talking about March Madness basketball and, and Michigan, one of the top-seeded teams, got beat by Middleton, Tennessee. Nobody saw it coming. All over the news, they're talking about, oh, did you see the bracket buster? Uh, like 99% of people had to throw their brackets out because one team totally upset this other team. And I think about how that got the news talking so much. But we've got a greater bracket buster to talk about. We've got a greater upset to talk about. The fact that Jesus should have stayed in the tomb, but instead he came back to life, that's something worth talking about. And so what am I asking you as a church to do this week? What am I asking you to talk about? How am I asking you to go about this? Number one, I'm asking you to invite. I'm asking you to invite people in your sphere of influence to church. Now, if you wanna get up in the, in the food court of the mall and preach a 30-minute sermon, more power to you. That's not what I'm asking you to do. If you feel to have a 40-minute conversation with the guy in the cubicle at work next to you uh, and try to convert him on the spot, awesome. I want you to do that. But today, I'm asking you to make one simple choice, to have a very short conversation with someone and say, what are your Easter plans? Would you like to come to church with me? To invite them to experience the story of Jesus. If you will invite them. See, here's the key. You say, well, where is this in the scriptures? This is you as a pastor asking me to do this, but what does Jesus want me to do? I'm gonna only ask you what Jesus would ask you to do. In Matthew 22, nine, Jesus told a story about a wedding that was happening, and he told all of his disciples, everyone you find, invite to the wedding. Let the house be packed. Jesus wasn't talking about a wedding. He was talking about salvation. He was talking about inviting people to be part of his movement, about transformation, about the church advancing in the earth. Right around this time, Jesus was talking about the church. And he was saying, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And he's telling this parable and he's saying, go invite everyone. Everybody say invite. invite. We've given you some practical ways to get the word out. We have flyers on your way out today at every kiosk that you can hand out. Now, I'm gonna ask you only take as many flyers as you're actually gonna pass out. I don't want these sitting in your car or your trunk after Easter. So take as many as you have the faith to hand out. If you have the faith to hand 10 of these out, take 10. If you have the faith to hand 100 of these out, take 100 of them. But only take as many as you plan to pass out. In the last week, Ashley and I have been inviting everyone. How many have already invited someone to Easter with you? Uh, or, or just giving them an invite, a flyer. Keep your hands up. That is awesome. So many of you have been inviting. You want to hear something crazy? Almost every person except one, every person except one that I've invited said, I don't go to church. I think we underestimate how lost Tulsa is. 
I think we underestimate how far from God people are in our city. They didn't even say, I'm a Christian. They just said, I don't go to church. I don't do that. They said, but this one lady in the Tulsa airport, she said she was mad. There was tension building when I was inviting her. She was like, get away from me. And I just kept pressing the tension. I was like, I'm going to follow you. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> and I said, uh, do you have any grandkids? She said, do I look old? I said, no, maybe. Do you have it? She goes, yeah, I got grandkids. She started laughing. And I was like, okay, good. Praise God. I said, you should bring your grandkids to the Easter egg hunt. And she was like, is it free? I said, absolutely, it's free. And she said, I'll think about it. I said, will you pray about it? She laughed. She said, I, I might come to that. I don't go to church, but I might come to that. There are so many people in our city that are counting on you. Did you know at Easter time, it's the one time, the most popular time that unchurched people think about going to church. That people who are far from God consider coming to church that one Sunday. Let's invite them. Someone's counting on you. Jesus said, as many as you find, invite. Paul said in Romans 10, verse 14, how will they know unless you go? How will they hear unless you tell them? I'm looking at some sneezers in the room. You've caught something. You've experienced something. Now spread it. Invite people. Here's another crazy thought about these flyers. We might think, well, a flyer's not that big of a deal. It's really a personal invitation that gets people in the doors. I agree with you to a point. But there are a lot of people that need not just a personal invitation, but they need a flyer to remind them of the personal invitation. And that flyer, here's a crazy story. There was a guy at Spartan School of Aeronautics right here in Tulsa who was walking on his campus and a flyer from Victory blew in the wind and stuck up against a Pepsi machine. On the flyer, someone from Victory had written the words, just do it. He takes the flyer, looks at the address. He was new to Tulsa, hadn't been going to church for a long time, and he thought, I need friends, I'm gonna go. He came that night, I was preaching a sermon. He gave his life to Jesus. He's been coming to Victory for five years since then. He serves as an usher. He met his wife here in the church. Together, they are team leading on Saturday nights as ushers. His life was changed because of a flyer. We underestimate the power of these flyers. Church, you have something worth talking about. I mean, this week, if there's anything to talk about, it's not March Madness, it's Jesus. Why are we so afraid to talk about Jesus? I think the thing that holds us back from talking about Jesus is fear, fear. We are afraid of what others think. We are afraid that they won't invite us out to lunch if we invite them to church. We're afraid they won't invite us to the parties. They're gonna give us strange looks. They won't talk to us anymore on our school campus, in our uh, elementary, middle school, high school, uh, in our neighborhood. We're afraid we might be labeled as Jesus freaks, and so fear holds us back from obedience. But did you know God's not gonna hold you responsible for their response? He's gonna hold you responsible for your obedience. He's not holding you responsible for how they respond to you. And ultimately, what good is it to impress people but to disobey God's will for our life? Jesus answered the question, is it God's will for me to invite people to Jesus and to church and to salvation? He said, go and preach the gospel to everyone. Church, we've got something to talk about. Everybody say, invite I think about how that parable of the, the wedding that Jesus talked about was a story about Jesus trying to help a, 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 in the story, it was a man trying to pack out a house. When I was younger, I would throw birthday parties and 
My first birthday party I threw in seventh grade, only two people showed up to. It was really sad and depressing. I had sent out 25 invitations, only two people came. My mom had ordered lots of pizza, lots of cookies. Me and those two people had to eat all of it. <laughs> and afterwards I was like, I'm never throwing a party again, I'm a loser. And my dad said, no, throw another party, but invite more people. Throw another party, but invite more people. The next year I did. More people came. The next year, more people came. It started growing. My birthday parties, more people. My dad kept saying every year, there's more room in our house. There's more room in our house. We've got more room. There's more space. Invite more people, Paul. So finally, my senior year, I took him seriously. I put flyers all over the school. I snuck into the principal's office, got on the intercom, invited everyone from K4 through 12th grade to my 18-year birthday party, and hundreds of people showed up to my mom and dad's house, and we packed the the house out. But church, I tell you that story because I think God's whispering from heaven, there's more room in here. I think God wants to see churches packed out. I don't think it's God's will for churches to be half full. I think it's God's will to see churches reaching their cities, exploding with numbers, lines around the building. I see that day coming soon to victory. But church, we need your help. 30,000 people could experience the story of Jesus this Easter if we just invite. Number two, pray. Matthew 9, verse 38 says, the harvest is huge and the labors are few, so pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. Everybody say pray. pray. I want the keys to come up because I'm thinking about how important it is to pray. That we don't just pray in our known tongue, but we pray in the spirit that we stir up that prayer language to pray for family members who are far from God, that this Easter they're gonna have an encounter, that not just information is gonna be given to them, but revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do, that we would pray this week. I'm stirred to pray. I, I challenge you to take 10 minutes a day this week to pray for Easter, not just for victory, but for churches all over the world, that this Easter would be a powerful day in the life of churches everywhere and that people far from God would come down and receive Jesus Christ. I, I encourage you not just to pray for others, but pray for yourself. Pray that you would have a greater revelation of who Jesus is this Easter. I find myself sometimes going, yeah, I, I know the story, I love the story, can't wait to see it again. But I think behind all of that, Jesus is saying, but Paul, there's more to this story. As long as you're breathing, you don't arrive. God's not finished with you yet. There's more, there's more revelation of who Jesus is for believers in the room that have been saved for 30 years. Don't just pray for the unbelievers, pray for you. Pray that you will have a greater experience, that the joy of your salvation will become afresh and anew this week as we reflect on why Jesus died and rose from the grave. The third thing I ask you to do is to attend one, serve one. Attend one, serve one. I'm asking you, next weekend we've got seven services. What if you came to one just to receive, that you sat in the chair and you cried and you just loved the story and you embraced everything Jesus has done for you, the worship you just, it, just receive in a service. You don't open a door, you don't pass the buckets, you don't help in the nursery, you don't uh, uh, do any of that, you just come and you, you experience it. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I wanna experience Christ. I wanna know the power that raised him from the dead. But then I, I challenge you to come to another service where you help someone encounter Jesus in a real way. You help make someone's experience powerful. 
Maybe you serve in the parking lot. Maybe you serve in the nursery. Maybe you help out in the lobby as a greeter, as an usher, as an altar counselor. I'm looking at people all over this room that are anointed and appointed to be used by God. That God wants to use you this week. You could come to the volunteer rally tonight and find out what part to play in the Easter uh, weekend to help us reach our city. But consider that. Consider attending one. The disciples, they would receive from Christ. Then they would go out and they would share Christ with others. It was a continual receive, overflow. Because if all we do is serve, we burn out. And if all we do is receive, we get big. We got to have an outlet, right? You got to have both. You got to receive. It's like inhale, exhale. Receive, serve. Let's all do it together. Receive, serve. This week. Consider doing it. Fourth point right here, surrender. Surrender. The other three are tangible, practical things to do. This one is something only you will know. I won't be able to know. Only you will know. This week, I'm asking you to surrender to God's will. Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 42, not my will, but your will be done. This Easter, let us come back to a place of surrender. Surrendering our fears of what people might think if we share the good news. Surrendering the complacency that we sit in sometimes and we become all too familiar with the story of Easter. Surrendering the anger and the shame and the regrets that you've been carrying the last few days, last few weeks. Some of us came in the room today ashamed. Some of us came in the room today addicted. Some of us came in the room today hiding secret sins that only you and God know about. And those things that we hold on to, that remote control that we won't surrender to God, it's holding us back not only from experiencing the power of God, but sharing it with others around us. So I challenge you to surrender this week. You know, I think about a guy who was so close to Jesus, yet he became so far from Jesus. It's possible to be so close, but on the inside, so far from someone. To live in the same house with somebody, but your heart is so distant from them. There's coldness. There's numbness. To be numb in a part of our body is to lose feeling. When I was young, I got bit by a boxer dog on my leg. And they put fake skin in there. To this day, 20 years later, when I touch that part of my leg, I can't feel it. It's numb. <laughs> and I think about how in our walk with God, some of us have grown numb. We've become complacent. We've lost the passion. We've lost the excitement to spread the good news. Basketball is more important than Jesus. Shopping and kids and marriage and date nights and movies and, and the latest uh, book that's out. Those things are so exciting. But Jesus, I know the story. Numbness breeds familiarity and familiarity breeds limitation and contempt. If we're going to experience what God wants us to experience in our city, we're going to have to stir up expectancy and kill the numbness. That guy who was so close to Jesus, he watched Jesus do things that just bothered him. In fact, in Matthew 19, it, it, it said that the disciples were asking Jesus, what can we get out of this? That was one of the questions they would ask you. What are we going to get from following you? What are we going to get? This guy asked that question all the time. What's in it for me? And later on, it says that, Something happened that just ticked this guy off. The final straw. Matthew 26, there was this woman who brought an expensive bottle of perfume. In fact, this bottle, John said in his gospel, this bottle was worth $25,000, a full year's wages. This was so expensive. And she pours it out on the feet of Jesus. Now, this guy who was close to Jesus, he was the treasurer of the money. 
And money had become more important to him than following Jesus. He was always counting the dollars and frustrated because every time money came in, Jesus would give it away. <laughs> and he was going, what's wrong with you, Jesus? And, and this guy who was the treasurer, his name was Judas, man, he didn't sign up at first with this angry heart or this sinful attitude. When he started following Jesus, he had a real encounter. He was part of the guys who laid hands on the sick and, and listened to the sermons and, and saw miracles. But somewhere along the journey, listen to this, listen to this. Somewhere along the journey, he stopped surrendering things in his heart and he would hold on. Bitterness, resentment, and it was building and building until this one moment. This was the moment where he goes, I'm done. He said, what are you doing, Jesus? That perfume should have been sold. We should have given the money to the poor. What are you doing? Jesus said, stop, Judas. What this woman is doing is powerful. She is preparing my body for burial. And this story will be shared for centuries, millenniums to come. It says, immediately Judas left and Satan entered into his heart. And he went to the religious leaders and he said, what will you give me? If I turn Jesus over to you. He knew the religious leaders needed to get Jesus away from the crowds. And he was one of the disciples that could do it. What will you do if I could deliver Jesus to you? And so they counted. 30 pieces of silver. Did you know back in that day? 30 pieces of silver is what, they, is what they priced to buy a slave. Back in those days, slavery was rampant. 30 pieces of silver. Judas says, I'll take it. How do you go from being nose to nose with Jesus, eye to eye, I mean, he was right next to him, to becoming so numb that you'll sell him for 30 pieces of silver? And then I got to thinking about it. The times that I knew God was prompting me to share the gospel with people. The times where I knew God's will was for me to reach out and invite someone to church. And I didn't do it because I was afraid of what they thought. I got to thinking about that. I realized that fear, that comfort is just 30 pieces of silver. It's worthless. After Judas turns Jesus in to get what he wants... He throws the coins back at the religious leaders. He says, no, I've done the wrong thing. They said, that's your responsibility. What was of extreme value in one moment was worthless in the next moment. What he sacrificed his relationship with Jesus for in one moment meant nothing to him the next moment. And some of us are missing out on the gospel because we are sacrificing God's will for our comfort zone. We are sacrificing God's commandments for what feels good in the moment, and it sure does. In the moment, 30 pieces of silver looks really good. That secret sin, in that moment, it's crazy to think that 30 pieces of silver would do that. But we do this all the time. We do this all the time. And Jesus says, guys, surrender. Surrender. Bring your shame and bring your fear and bring your, 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 your sin and your secrets and, and all the things you're holding on to. Bring it to me. If the story ended with Judas, that would not be something worth talking about. That would be a tragic story because Judas ends up, in fact, the thing that he wouldn't die to on the inside, 
consequently killed him on the outside. The thing he wouldn't surrender on the inside ended up hurting him on the outside. And if it ended with Judas, this would be a sad story. But the truth is, it doesn't stop with Judas. In fact, all 11 disciples denied Jesus. All 11 ran. When Jesus was going to his worst moment, all 11 got up and ran. And Jesus predicted in the Last Supper something that sent chills down the back of Judas. Jesus said, go ahead and betray me. I got your back, Judas. Go do what you need to do. And Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But when you do, I'm praying for you that you're going to get back up and that you're going to follow me. And the moment happens where Peter gets three chances to share the gospel with people. Three chances to say, I'm with that guy. I go to that church. You should follow us too. Three moments to do it. It's almost like baseball. The ball's coming down the plate. And three times, strike one, strike two, strike three, he's out. Peter misses every moment. He denies Jesus three times. How many of us in this room have had moments where we could have shared the gospel, but fear held us back? Moments where we could have passed out a flyer, but complacency stopped us. Numbness killed us. And we just sat in the car, we sat in our seat, and we didn't say anything. And we feel ashamed. I've been there before. I felt so ashamed one time when I knew I was supposed to talk to someone about Jesus, and I didn't. And I said, God, I am so sorry. And I can only imagine Peter just hanging his head low, walking towards the dugout, right? If this is a baseball game, Peter's throwing the bat down going, I'm a failure. It is all over. I missed it. I messed it all up. But there was still one batter left. One batter left. And his name was Jesus. And he stepped up to the plate. This one's for Peter. This one's for the woman caught in adultery. This one's for James and John. This one's for all the disciples who missed the moments where they should have done it. This one's for you. And he said, Satan, throw your best ball. Come on, bring your best ball. Satan throws a curveball, and Jesus connects. Man, the bat hits the ball. And Jesus takes the cross to first base down the Via Dolorosa. At first base, he is whipped for you. He is beaten for you. A thorn, a crown, a crown of thorns is placed on his skull for you. And he dies on the cross and he says, I'm not done yet. And he goes to second base and he's buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And in that tomb, Satan says, we've got him here. This is all over. Everybody's failed. Everybody's missed it. Shame has won. Sin has won. But Jesus said, I'm not done yet. The ball's still in the air. He goes to third base. And at third base, Jesus went down into the pit of hell. He spent three days in the bottom. And he said, I'm stealing the keys of sin, death, and hell. And I hit a home run. He went all the way home, church. Jesus hit a home run for you and for me. For your shame and your sin and your mistakes and your failure. Jesus said, I paid the price for you. I paid the price. I paid the price. I want us to stand to our feet all over this room. Because what Jesus does next is amazing. It's unbelievable. It's too good to be true, but it is true. And that's what makes it something worth talking about. Jesus goes to the guys that each took their 30 coins. They each traded their comfort zones and traded what God wanted for what they could get in a moment. He goes to those guys, he goes to Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, all the guys that, that missed their moment. And he said, I want you to share the gospel. 
See, the guy, Peter, who missed those three times to share the gospel, the guy who was so afraid and intimidated by what other people thought of being labeled a Jesus freak. Well, after Jesus paid the price for his sins, Mark 16, 7, Jesus calls Peter. He says, I want you. I need you. I forgive you. I love you. That guy went on to be one of the biggest sneezers of all time. He shared the gospel to everyone he met. He preached a 10-minute message in Acts, and 3,000 people got saved. You might have missed moments in your past, but I'm telling you this week, the love, the grace of Jesus is empowering you with boldness to preach the gospel, to overcome fear, to overcome shame, to overcome numbness, to break free of complacency. Today, the power of God is present in this place. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe you're here today and you feel a little bit like Judas. Maybe you feel like you traded something. You gained a 30 silver world, but you lost your soul. But today he's saying, I can redeem you. I can heal you. I can forgive you. I can save you. If you need his forgiveness today, I want you to lift your hand up all over this room. You need the mercy of God. It's here today. You need the forgiveness of God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. In the back, in the front today. Yes, sir. Couples across the room, singles, college people, young people, older people today. You're saying, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. Shame has been beating at my door, but today... I'm receiving the forgiveness of God. Secondly, you're here and you say, Paul, I need boldness. I have been overcome by fear and complacency. And this week, I want to move in boldness to invite people to church, to invite people to Jesus. I want to be like Peter. I want to get up from the mistakes of the past. And I want to move in boldness to lead people to Christ. If you need that boldness, I want you to lift your hand up today. He's going to give it to you. The Holy Spirit can give it to you. What you can't get through knowledge and, and college degrees, the Holy Spirit can impart to you right now today. If you raised your hand or you're here today and you need to get right with God, I want you to make a bold step right now. Step out from your seat. Meet me at the altar. Meet me at the empty tomb. Meet me where Jesus paid it all. Today is your day to receive forgiveness. Today is your day to get right with God. Today is your day to get boldness, to share the gospel with your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, your in-laws, your friends, everyone you know today. Come to the cross.